my gosh, it is that time once again. You hear that beat, you know what time it is. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Don't you worry, we're going to be with you, motivating you, being there right alongside you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Bombfell, Brooklinen, and Audible. They bring the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's so far ahead of the game, he doesn't even need to set his clock forward. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. I thought we maybe would have dropped a, a new a new intro song today, but we'll wait for we another. We did week. get it. We did get a remix. Patrick L remixed the intro song, and it's pretty good. I uh, I did not work that into the show, but it is good. You guys should check it out. It's over there on the old uh, on the subreddit, which is five by five dlc dot Patrick L a a uh, longtime contributor to the music of the show. He uh, brought it once again and remixed the intro. So if you guys, if he posted it in the subreddit, you should give it a listen and. Let me know if you sh- I should switch it over officially to the new uh, the new intro to the show. Yeah, I like it. If you, if you like that bass drop, I mean, Patrick's uh, remix gets hit dropping. I a think lot. he it's triples triples or quadruples down on the bass drop, uh, which is <laughs> which is really fun. Hey, my goodness, what a week of news! I am so excited to talk about it. We're going to dig in. It's going to be intense, and we have a great guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week we are so excited because DLC stands for Dork of the Lightest Color, because we have the (laughs) blonde nerd herself. We love her on What's Good Games, Miss Britt Brombacher. Welcome to the show, finally. Hello. Yeah, finally. I feel like we've been trying to do this for a long time now, Jeff. We have. We have. This has been uh, – we, we scheduled this date like, uh, I don't know, two months ago. And, yeah. And now you finally come on, and it is maybe the biggest week – well, undoubtedly the biggest week of news in 2018 so far for yeah. sure. Yeah. No, I just got to compliment you on your intro. Like oh. that that music was bopping. I was head bopping by myself. I was trying not to let, yeah, I was trying not to step on your intro. I didn't want to like laugh crazily, like from like behind, you know, like I'm lurking in the woods. I, I wasn't introed yet, but now that I'm <laughs> introed, I just want to say like awesome intro. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks. Well, you, if you haven't heard the show, you got, we got lots to look forward to because we have, we got, we got bumper music galore made, made yeah. possible by, <laughs> by awesome people. So, uh, get ready for that. Um, Britt, so excited to have you. I should, I should say to both you guys and to our listeners that I think this episode is going to be more news heavy than usual. We usually kind of move through the news pretty quickly, but there's so much to talk about and I kind of don't want to gloss over any of it. And I I feel like there are some people that listen to the show for a recap of the week's news and I don't want to short shrift them because there is a ton of stuff. So let's get right to it and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Amazing. 
amazing. <laughs> story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting that aforementioned uh, subreddit over there at 5x5.tv slash DLC. No, that's not. That's the way how you find the show. It's uh, 5x5dlc.reddit.com is the name of the subreddit. Uh, but Britt, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. This is a smorgasbord, if there ever was one. Uh, what would you Ooh. consider to be your favorite story of the week? Ooh, I would have to say the Nintendo Direct. Yes, we got a uh, semi-surprise Nintendo Direct, and it was chock full of games and uh, ports and uh, release dates and even stuff for 3DS. I'm well, we can we can sort through all of it, but I'm I'm guessing the biggest thing that we all want to talk about is their mic drop moment Luigi, at the end. Yeah, Luigi's Mansion coming to the yeah. The Luigi Finally, Mansion. The remake we've been clamoring for. Yeah. But like, is it downgraded visually? Like if you compare it, they clearly did a better <laughs> Luigi character model, but the rest of the assets seem like there are missing things and GameCube, surely the new three DS is well yeah, it rocked my world. Two hours, <laughs> two hours on Luigi's Mansion remake. Uh, that's what we're gonna do. No, it's the uh it's the Smash Brothers. Others reveal it's coming this year. I think not particularly surprising. I think a lot of us guessed that. We don't really know how much of a port it is versus how much of a new game it is. We don't know anything, really, only that it is coming this calendar year, according to the uh, teaser at the end of the Nintendo Direct. But, Britt, what did you think of the Direct overall, and are you excited for Smash Brothers? I am extremely excited for Smash Brothers. You know, they ended on Splatoon 2, and then they're like, actually, there's one more thing to announce, which, okay, we all saw that coming. But then as soon as they showed showed the Inklings, that's what they're called, like the Inklings. I don't play Splatoon a lot. And as soon as they came on, I was like, oh, God, is this going to be Smash? Oh, my God. And then it did. And then I screamed so loud that my mom happened to be over. My husband was playing games. They both ran in. They're like, what's going on? Are you okay? Like, I was so, so excited. I mean, I thought it was a, it was a great direct. I mean, we knew Smash was coming. I don't think I was expecting to see an announcement of it just yet. I think that's kind of what caught people off guard. Um, but, I mean, you know, there's the Captain Toad, which I never played. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm happy that they're adding uh, co-op in it in some respects. Crash Bandicoot, okay. Like, you know, that's already an out. That's, thing, that's a thing that's out. And then, of course, the Luigi's Mansion coming to the 3DS <laughs> thing, which we've all wanted. That's, that's, that's the version we've wanted for so long. Yeah, I, I think you've kind of nailed my reaction too, which was a lot of like, oh yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. What's the what's the big deal? Oh, the big deal is Smash Brothers, of course. Uh, I love. I saw somebody on Twitter point out. I wish I could uh, remember who exactly it was, but somebody pointed out that these two kids are just playing this very harmless game of tag, and then all of a sudden <laughs> it's like, no, we showed up. We're going to start punching you. You have to start punching back. Uh, which is very disturbing when you look at it that way. But Welcome to the other side of Nintendo. <laughs> right. Uh, Christian, what do you think about this? You're a bigger Smash Brothers fan than I am, certainly. Um, are you are you stoked for this announcement? Yeah, I, I fired up Smash again on my 3DS the other night when I was like, oh, man, it's back. It's back. Um, the 3DS version was really good, and as was the Wii U version. I am curious. Like, It does seem like it, there are hints that it's a new version, but I'm curious – you know, if they're going to, um, it looks like the same director is back, um, involved with this version. So are they using the, the backbone or the base of Smash for Wii U? I think it was a, a great Smash. I'm not a competitive Smash player, so I don't know, you know, on the tournament scene, um, how well it's been picked apart or how well it holds up. But I know, you know, people were happy with it when it came out and it evolved over time. And I think that if that is the base for this new game, it's a great jumping off point. 
um, and then hanging back on point and then getting knocked off point. Um, <laughs> yes, smash, smash is, smash is smash. And, and I think, uh, it looks like Breath of the Wild Link. And now we get to do the thing where every day between now and December 31st, 2018, or whenever the game comes out, Nintendo will give us one new character. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you touched on a good point. Uh, like you said, Sakurai is working on this again. And it's funny because in January 2015, he was like, I might have to retire if my career remains this stressful. And then later that year, I think in December, he said he didn't even know if there would be another smash. Well, lo and behold, ladies and gentlemen, like here he is working on it. And it's it, it's interesting now. It's like what dictates a port, like a glorified port or a sequel, especially with a game like Smash. There's already 58 characters. So how do you truly take something that I think the formula is fine as is and improve it to the point where you can call it a sequel? Do you add new characters? Do you add something new stages? I, the I personally would like to see another adventure mode. Point where you can call I definitely miss that from the other Smash game. Well, yeah. I guess the last one didn't have it because it got scrapped because Sakurai was mad that people leaked the, the CG scenes. And he's like, oh, I'm just not going to release it now. So the last time we had anything was Brawl for Wii, and that was in 2008. So, yeah, it, it's uh, it's gonna. I'm sure they're gonna, as you say, breadcrumb us a lot of of facts between now and the end of the year. This really does seem like the big release, as Nintendo is is want to do. It's it's sort of one game that they put all of their eggs in in that basket, and this is the basket. It's a pretty good basket, but. Um, I, per, I, for one, am hoping for uh, Cappy as a character, or at least Ooh. Mario with Cappy, where you could, like, take over other people's characters briefly. How cool would that be? You just like a Kirby. People? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think it could be cool, and hopefully it will uh, it will look great and play great. I, I just don't know what else out of a Smash Brothers you add to it. I mean, I think, Britt, you made some good suggestions for bringing back some modes from older versions, but at this point, it's just like, yeah, it's that game maybe with some new characters, but there's really, I don't know. I, I, I've never a Smash Brothers guy, so my enthusiasm is going to be tempered anyway. But I always feel like this, of all the franchises, feels the most rote. Well, maybe Mario Kart, too. Both of those <laughs> feel very rote. It's like we have this formula, and we know how to do it well, and we keep putting them out, and they're pretty much the same every time. But I don't know. I think I would also like to see a better tournament mode. Now, Christian, I don't know if you dabbled in this a lot, but my understanding of the tournament mode that was implemented in Smash for Wii U anyway was there's no offline mode, and you can't do a tournament that's one-on-one. The only way to participate in a one-on-one tournament is if you participate in one of the tournaments held by Nintendo themselves. And even then, the queue modes, the queue wait time was like, you had to be, you had to sign up 30 minutes in advance, and then you'd have to wait 45 to 50 minutes for your spot in the tournament to take place. And during that time, if you backed out, you would be kicked from the tournament. So I think an offline tournament mode would be nice. So, you know, you know, those big old smash parties and order pizza and drink Mountain Dew, like we, like we're ought to do. And, uh, just some one v one tournaments that you can host yourselves. The only tournaments you can host, I believe, are free for alls, which is kind of silly. But what are you going to ask for next? Voice chat that doesn't require the use of my cell phone, a splitter, and a dongle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, right? It's like, come on, yeah. So we'll see. This is Nintendo. They're giving I us know. the game, and we're going to buy it and love it, and then we will stomach all of the shortcomings because the that's games what they we make do. And it's it, it is that double edged sword where it's like. Yes, yes. There needs to be a way more robust tournament features. You should be able to have every switch possible in terms of not the console, but you know, dongle uh <laughs> toggle in the game to set up any tournament you want. That's the 
the beauty of that type of game. It's like, you know, Pikachu's only, um, no supers, 500% health or, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. is, uh, 1v1 only on this stage. Like I would love, love, love every single type of option to be selectable from a menu. Um, but I just feel like I'm not going to get that. And they haven't, <laughs> they haven't built expectations for that ever. So I kind of just remain calm and hope that we get a good version of a, of a franchise that I love. No, I agree. And that's kind of the thing with Nintendo. I'm a longtime Nintendo fan. It was my first console. Every bad decision they've made, I've always stood there with them, but, and try to defend them. But there's some certain occasions where you just can't do that anymore. But yeah, it's, you know, you have your hopes and your dreams and they sometimes get crushed, but you love them anyway. It's a vicious cycle, vicious after, relationship. After this show, we should set up our GameCube broadband adapters and get some <laughs> uh, Mario Kart 8 going. Yeah, right. I still got mine. Hell yeah. Or, or Mario Kart Double Dash, I mean, sorry. Yeah, I, I picked up what you're putting down. I got you. <laughs> it does seem like um, if you just have enough patience, uh, everything's coming to the Switch eventually. I mean, the sales are, yeah. are so good that everybody is getting there. I mean, we even got Undertale heading, although we don't have a date for that. But um, I'm, I'm glad to see everybody is kind of putting stuff out on Switch. It doesn't seem like everything is day and date, but even something like Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, which you think wouldn't come out on Nintendo system is. And, and I think that's pretty cool. So lots I of stuff that, to be excited about with Nintendo. I hope those commercials, I would love to see that crash commercial from like the old days where he's the, the mascot outside oh. Nintendo, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, heckling Nintendo. And then Mario's like, come on. And crash is like, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're friends now. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Um, all right. So we got lots to get to that Nintendo direct huge, huge deal, but man, it was just a week full of huge deals. And Christian, I wonder which huge deal you value most and what your story of the week is. Oh, there are two that I'm oscillating. You only get one. I know because you get, you get the rest. I understand. I've been doing this show long enough, Jeff. I I get Mm -hmm. it. Um, Fortnite mobile officially announced by Epic games. Um, when you are, if you're not listening to this live, when this episode goes out on Monday, March 12th is when you can sign up, uh, to get the special invite on iOS. It's coming to Android later. And then mobile players will be able to play with PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, Mac, and Android players when it comes to Android. So it's going to support cross play. PS4, it's complicated. Uh, PS4 and Xbox still can't cross play. And if you're on mobile, you won't just get randomly grouped in with someone on, on PC or, or a console, for example, but if they can send you an invite and then pull you into the game that way. And Epic is saying it's, you know, the full game, the whole, if you're playing with someone on PC or PS4 or Xbox, you have to be able to have the whole experience. I don't know if they've announced MiFi controller, controller support yet for iOS, but I would hope something like that happens. And this is the game now that, you know, people on Twitch are becoming millionaires with, um, it's dominating. There's an article where like YouTube subscriber or YouTube, um, streamers are gaining thousands of subscribers in a week on Fortnite. It is literally everywhere now and it's going to expand into mobile. And I'm super curious if it, um, if it attaches there the way it's, you know, latched on everywhere else. Britt, how you, have you given up your life in, in pursuit of Fortnite? (laughs) <laughs> no, um, actually, when Fortnite was just releasing, we had oh crap, I'm forgetting his name, and I'm an awful human. But we had the creative director over at the What's Good Studio, and uh, Darren Sug, Daryl Sug, one or the other. Sorry, dude, I love you. Um, anyway, and so we we played it with him, and that was before it super duper caught on. But it's the thing is, just just not my it's not my kind of my kind of game is what I'm trying to say. It's 
great. You, you mean know, the most but, popular, best game ever right? made? All hail Fortnite. Fortnite is I, on my mom, my dad, and my wife. Is I don't understand. I can't quite I hear you. I stand on my own two feet, Christian. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, all of my cousins are playing it. I mean, because I work in the industry, they're always sending me questions. They think I apparently, <laughs> they think I own Fortnite and that's all they ever text me about. I'm like, friends, I don't, I'm the wrong person. But no, I mean, I, it's pretty crazy right now to see how successful it's been and how popular it is. I mean, you're seeing stories on like news media, right? Saying, are, is Fortnite ruining your, your child's childhood? And it's like, okay, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's interesting. And I think if you look at Fortnite with what I assume was the original intention, now that it's this massive hit, I, I assume that they're, they're kind of changing gears and focusing on the game itself. But I, I thought that the original intention of Fortnite really was this Trojan horse for the engine, right? To uh, show off the engine, the the idea that Epic makes games to sell engines, really. Uh, if so, I think putting it out on mobile and having it be the full game is a pretty darn cool commercial for an engine to show how robust and versatile that engine is and able to be put on all kinds of different hardware is a pretty cool thing. Uh you know, having just spent a lot of time not too long ago with uh, Civilization on mobile on my iPad and have that be almost exactly the same game I was playing on PC, we're getting to that place now where this stuff is possible. It, you don't have to have a reimagined version or a big step down in quality level in order to get stuff on these devices because the devices themselves are are pretty powerful and capable of, of doing it. Um, Christian, as somebody, you, you're more of a PUBG guy than a Fortnite guy, but do you want to play it on a mobile device? Uh, yeah, Jeff, have you seen my iPad? I definitely <laughs> want to play it. I, so you're telling me that I can just, I want I want controller support. I don't want touchscreen support. If you're telling me I can just kick up a 12-inch iPad Pro while I'm at work uh, during <laughs> lunch and just get in a few rounds of Fortnite, that's authentic to that experience? Yes. Yes. I, I mean, it, it's one step closer to my dream of games everywhere, right? Like I know it's, it's its own version. I have to download it and have Wi-Fi or this, that or the other, but yeah. Oh, come on. Like you're, I'll start carrying around a little, uh, good quality hotspot device. So you go to a movie and you're watching the 20. I'm not, I'm playing Fortnite dog. Like, <laughs> Is this going to be mean, enough to get you to switch from PUBG to Fortnite? Cause you have been Ant, a little anti-Fortnite, if I... I'm not anti-Fortnite. Oh, I'm anti-Christian's oh. building skills in Fortnite is what, <laughs> is what I am. It's, it's right. less the game and more the player. Um, that's, that's that famous saying. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't hate the game, hate Christian as a player. Yeah. Um, I, ideally, it comes to Switch. Um, <laughs> yes. In my ideal world, that's where I'd want it over my iPad because that already has a controller built into it. Um, but yeah, I will definitely start playing it when it comes, um, to mobile here. And at the same time, there's a fairly, it seems decent version of PUBG on mobile too, but only in China right now, but it doesn't, it's not compatible, um, cross play with the other, the other version. So I don't know how fast you fill up, you know, those servers and get the, that hundred person island ready to go. But yeah, this, oh man, I hope it's great. I hope if anyone out there, Hey, Epic, I'd love to not just enter my email with the masses. I'd, <laughs> I'd love a connect. Um, yeah. This is a plea for help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just casually, like I've got a wife, I've got two kids. I could lose one of the three and add Fortnite and still be happy. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Well, I don't want to get off on this tangent because there's so much other stuff to talk about, but does this like pull you away from PUBG? Is this exactly what they were worried about? And we were minimizing the, you know, for months we were minimizing like, Oh, calm down. PUBG is fine. Every, there's billions of people playing it. It's fine. And I was like, no, uh, Fortnite has overtaken it in streamers and in concurrent games. And, and it seems to have all the momentum and it's like, yeah, no, this is what player unknown himself was really worried about. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it'll pull me off of it. I mean, if I get really good at it because I'm playing more on mobile and it's not just, you know, 15, 20 minutes here or there during the day. But if I really start to get a handle on the build mechanic and my group of friends moves over right now, I might, you know, my golf crew is playing PUBG every night and I can just jump on and, and, and hang out with them. But um, if, that's the main consideration and then it's just if i spend enough time with it and my building skills get there i think it will become my main until the next thing comes out and you know it's a flashy shiny light that i get attracted to <laughs> fair enough uh what was the other story that you were tempted to have as your story of the week christian what yeah i'm i look at oh how magnanimous God. i'm being look at how what generous what is this, Christmas? Oh I my know. goodness. Uh, EA opened Origin and EA Access to other publishers. The first one is Warner Brothers. And so now things like Batman Arkham Asylum, City, Origins, the Lego games um, are available. Also, The Witness is coming, um, Wasteland 2. And I think this is a, 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 big, a big step where EA Access having games from other publishers, it suddenly becomes a... Um, Xbox Game Pass kind of, you know, rivalry, but is a, it's weird because right now it's also only on Xbox and PC the same way Xbox Game Pass is, mm-hmm. but for a what whatever that is, $15 a month is Game Pass 10 and I think EA Access is 5. It's EA around Access there. is $5 a month or yeah. 3 a year and I think you're right without the Game Pass. Yeah, and then so for under 20 bucks a year or whatever it ends up being, you have this you, you have this subscription service to these huge game libraries. That's massive. And well, if they keep bringing in games from other publishers... This is only on PC, right? Because you can have Origin Access on Xbox right now, but this is not supported on Xbox yet. Oh, um, really? Okay, I misread then. Yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, but it is on, on PC. They have... Uh, WB is the first, as you said, the first publisher to sign up, and I'm sure they are actively seeking others. And, you know, I think everybody is trying to get in on this action. And I, I think, as you mo- as you noted, this is a value proposition for end users that's pretty darn good. And we're going to see, yeah. I think, the cost of playing lots of games go get very, very low. Uh, I don't Where know what the- that does to game production right. and game creation, but... Yeah, it goes more microtransactions, right, Britt? Like, yes. how, so we get these yes. old big AAA games that were made with an old big AAA game budget, but how do we keep adding games to these types of servers? Like, what's the future if this takes over? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain if everything kind of turns into a Game Pass situation. It's such an affordable way. I mean, you have Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2 coming up on the Xbox Game Pass for $10 a month. I mean, how can you, I mean, if you, if you look how much like these games cost, State of Decay is 30, I don't know how much Sea of Thieves is going for, but I mean, you get more, so much money for, uh, so much value for your money. To me, it just makes more sense that it would go this way. I was reminded of, oh gosh, where was it? It was a retailer and another country who was really, really upset at uh, Microsoft for doing the Xbox Game Pass, that he was boycotting all of their uh, products because he was like, we're going to lose money off of this. Thank you very much. Do you remember hearing that about that story? Yeah, yeah. they said that we're going to stop carrying Xboxes as one of them yeah. as well. Like, they're done with the product. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Well, It'll they're not wrong. I mean, that's no. that's the death of brick and mortar right there. Um, and and it's it's the same way Netflix destroyed Blockbuster, right? It's not it's we don't it's not like we don't have a very clear example of that happening. Um, <laughs> and and I think that you're you make another great point, Christian, which is this means that game publishers, game developers have to monetize in ways inside the games. If I mean, this is kind of a march toward basically free to play, right? If if the um, the barrier to entry uh, of these services is five bucks a month or ten bucks a month, then that pie gets so small and cut up between so many games on the service that in order to make any money, the monetization has to happen within the game. So, I guess in a sense or, that's better than spending sixty up front and then also having monetization in the game. Yeah. So. Or so, there's an option we have we don't know because we're not business. We're not Mrs. or Mr. Business. I'm a business. business. Right. You're business. Well, yeah, I'm, just, like I'm a kid on another kid's shoulders inside a trench coat doing a business. Got it. That makes <laughs> that makes sense. I don't want to know what business you and that kid are doing under that trench coat. <laughs> I, I mean, Netflix makes money, but it also spends gobs and gobs and gobs of money. Like, to what extent is that model sustainable for games where Netflix it's not watch Stranger Things 2 and they're like, hey, let's go get that six pack of Pepsi. I love Pepsi and look at this Chevy Camaro. I hope they still make these in the future in 2018 (laughs) with a small block V8 that puts out over 600 horsepower or whatever, right? It's not heavy handed in its product placement and, and continuing to nickel and dime you. And I don't know if they're, if it's data, location tracking, all of that other nefarious stuff. <laughs> well, I think that if, you know, if uh, a service like this gets the kind of subscription numbers Netflix does and the hundred million range of people subscribing, I think we'll probably, they would probably be fine with not having microtransactions, <laughs> but uh, we, we're not anywhere I- close to that. Yeah, I mean, I imagine when we talked about this a little bit ago on What's Good Games, we said there has to be, well, not this exact wording, someone doing the business in a trench coat in a business <laughs> meeting, you know, who who looked at this model and said, we're we're going to make money off of this, right? Otherwise, let's they're a business. They're not going to do something if it's not going to make the money. It could be the fact that, you know, $5 a month for EA um, origin service, or you have the $10 a month for Xbox Game Pass, that's a pretty small amount of money. And it's something that a lot of people might just keep paying over and over again each month. They might not even remember that they're paying for that because it's not going to take a huge dent out of their checking account or whatnot. And if you're lazy like me, you just might say, oh, I don't want to cancel that today. I'll do it next month. And then it turns into next month and it turns into next month. So who knows? Right. I mean, we might not see a lot of microtransactions because obviously they're not going to put them in their, these already established titles that don't have microtransactions. So yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, and you're right. If if it becomes like Netflix, where the monthly price is trivial to people, and it can get to a critical mass like that, where it makes more sense to subscribe than not subscribe. I mean, I think that's what that's the business plan with Amazon prime, right? Is mm-hmm. it makes more sense to subscribe to this thing than not subscribe to it. Like you get so much for your money. It just doesn't make any financial sense not to be an Amazon prime subscriber at a certain point. You and, lose money. If you're not like I wasn't for a while and someone would come by, beat me up and take my lunch money. And they'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Those poor kids playing, uh, playing their splatoon. All they want to do is just keep playing and people come and beat them up because <laughs> they're not subscribing to Amazon. I think I'm mixing our metaphors. I don't know. That's Google that does this though, right? Like with the pieces or they're trying to, the pieces that, that they're putting together, we, there's no story of the week to link to on it. But like 
they got all the pieces and they have their service everywhere. I don't know if it ends up being browser based or Chrome something or other based, but that I feel like we're slowly climbing up to the tip of this spear and, and someone's going to make a big jump. Well, they're making it. There's certainly a race to the, to the Netflixification of, of these games. So, yeah. And I think ultimately I'm happier with Netflix than I was with blockbuster video. So maybe it's a positive for, for end users. All right. Um, lots of other stories. I think if I had to pick my story of the week is, uh, the fact that we got an official announcement for the division two, Woo-hoo. we don't know much about it. The tease is that we'll hear more at E3. Um, I was a huge fan of the first division. I know that it, it sort of got a little messy in the end game and I fell off of it. I know they've actually improved the game mightily since then. And, um, and I haven't gone back. I keep meaning to reinstall it and explore the end game again because people keep saying it's, it's gotten a lot better. But either way, I put, I don't know, 60, 70 hours into the division and loved every second of it. Uh, and it was a blast playing with friends. I thought it looked amazing. Having a, a numbered sequel, I think, is a really exciting proposition. Um, I suspect what we'll see is a different city at the same time. You know, I think division didn't the division take place in Chicago? I want to say Chicago, New York, New York, New York. My gut says New York. Yeah, it was a big city. It was a big metropolitan American city. I'm putting my reputation on the line. New York. I think you're right. I think it was New York. Uh, yeah, I think I, I don't have a reputation. I put that many. <laughs> I put that many hours into it, and I literally don't know the answer to that. Even though you go to like literally. Times Square, and there's a helicopter. Break. So yeah, it was New York. I don't know why I was uh, whatever. Anyway, it's all it's all good, Jeff. Thank you. I think because it's Ubisoft City, which is also yeah, Chicago and Watch Dogs, which is also every ancient uh, <laughs> civilization city <laughs> and London, and they've done them. They've been there. I think honestly, the sequel will probably just be a different city in the same time period. It, it seems to make make sense, but it would be interesting to see if they propel the time forward and we get a little farther away. I mean, I think the the hook for the first divi- division was. The fact that it was, you know, T minus a few hours after the apocalypse instead of most games where it's, you know, many years after the apocalypse. Um, and I think that's a compelling concept that they should continue. But it would be interesting to see if they move that timeline down down the way roadways. Uh, the other thing that people, I think, are concerned about is the division and destiny, both single word starting with the D games that are about community that sort of had similar issues maintaining a player base and then got better over time and had big promises when they came out and were delayed. So I think people associate them in their heads. And I think there's a lot of people worried that the division two will fall prey to some of the faults of destiny two what do you think, Britt? You're laughing. What do you think? No, it's just funny because obviously two completely different companies and publisher and all of the things. So it's just funny that people, but I understand they're concerned. Like everyone thought that Destiny kind of ironed out their, their BS. And but then they, they, they both Destiny start too. with a D. Did I, was oh, I not clear I know. about the D? <laughs> Sorry. I, I give great gamers a little too much credit, I suppose. <laughs> no, <laughs> no um, I'm really sad because the division is something I never touched. Um, I loved what I saw at E3, like back when they were promoting it. Which but E3? I think, oh, I know, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like all ten. Yeah, yeah. I 
but the thing is, I think I was confused by the marketing of the game. I thought it was absolutely required that I had to play with people and that those same people could screw me over in the end. Now, I'm not someone who likes to do a lot of PvP. I like to do online with friends only. And so I had the... I was wrong, but I thought you had to play with other players, kind of like, you know, in Destiny, Destiny, you have to sometimes play with other people. But I did some research, like, during this, I was like, wait a minute, I never played the Division. Everyone's getting their panties in a bundle for Division 2. And I finally, after some internet sleuthing, realized that, hey, you can do the whole thing by yourself. And for some reason, that message never got through my thick head. So (laughs) now I think that's going to be the next game I play, like, honestly, because it looks super good. It looks really fun. It is, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed my time with Division. And I have high hopes for the sequel. I I thought this was funny in in the chat. Reach That Far said... Uh, I thought Division would be the Destiny killer. It turns out Destiny 2 was the Destiny killer. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. Zing. I'm hoping, I'm hoping the Division learn, Division 2 learned from Ghost Recon Wildlands, which, I mean, it, I hope this doesn't sound uh, sarcastic or sassy when I say it, but like, it's the Ubisoft game, right? Like, so, Mm -hmm. like, Assassin's Creed, um, Wildlands, The Division, Watch Dogs, like these open world franchises of theirs all share a lot of studios uh, that work on them, but also similarities in terms of the structure and how they're laid out and what they're doing. And each one, it seems, takes something from a different one and then iterates it and builds on it. Far Cry 5, I'm very excited for that game later this oh, month. Yeah. That they've shown with the arcade mode and the map editor and all of the kind of um, wacky DLC coming in the season pass and things are trying to do with that game. And so I hope that the division can learn from some of those games that have come since it and build in some of those newer mechanics um, and drop in, drop out and just fun. Cause I feel like the division, while you certainly can play it single player Brit, it definitely bogs itself down in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, the main campaign and the end game stuff as you, as you progress alone. And I think they could do a better job of allowing people to come in, come out and make it fun and less um, rigid in terms of how you need to share the experience. Honestly, I think if they just improve the loot, that would be such a big difference in the game. I mean, I like the fact that they stuck to the, their guns. <laughs> <laughs> very much intended um, with, with uh, keeping this sense of verisimilitude and everything is authentic and you get stuff that really would be there and all that stuff. But that's the anti fun when it comes to getting a cool new thing. Like I got the sixth, you know, uh, hoodie or uh, cap right. or pair of sneakers. It's like, okay, well, okay. It's got better stats, but I want to look fun. And I think games that understand that, I mean, Destiny, I think, understands that, making really cool loot and, you know, Monster Hunter, making you look outrageous and awesome. I think all of those, all that goes a long way for keeping that carrot on that stick, which is what these games rely on to be addictive. You know, it's funny because there's another D game that I had that same issue with, and it was Diablo 3. I've played Mm. through Diablo 3 a few times, and I love it, but around the end, I I stopped finding better loot, and then I kind of, like you said, the carrot on the stick, like I lose that. Uh, drive to keep playing because I know there's not going to be any good loot and right. the loot's an ad- the loot's an addictive system. So what we've learned from today, ladies and gentlemen, is all games that start with a D do not learn from each other. Yeah, <laughs> do not title your game 
single a D. word D words. That's just bad. It's just bad. Well, bad, that's bad. why that's why Days Gone got delayed. They're changing oh, it. Oh man, <laughs> change the name to way way past days. <laughs> Yesterday's gone. Well, we do have more news to talk about, including that, and I don't want to skip over it. But I do want to uh, thank our first sponsor before we do that, which is Bombfell. Bombfell is an easier way for men to get better clothes. And this is this is something that is very much something I need and have benefited from very, very much. Because I, I've said this before, I live in this paradox. I like to look good. I like to be fashionable. But I hate shopping for clothes. I hate it. I hate it. I hate sh- going into a store. I hate trying on stuff. I, I get bored. I get antsy. I get impatient. I don't want to do it. And I don't even like shopping online for clothes because I'm like scrolling through things. Stuff looks good on the guy in the picture, but I don't know if it's going to look good on me. I don't have good taste, but I want to look good. I want to have good taste. I just don't. I am just clueless. Thankfully, Bombfell exists because it exists for this very problem. Bombfell pairs you with a personal stylist that gets clothes for you and then presents them to you. You can either say yes or no. You can wait for them to get to you and try them on and see if you like them and send them back if you don't. But you have this real human being who takes into account the things you like, the kinds of fashion that you're you're aiming for, whether it's you know sticking with your style or trying to upscale yourself a little bit. You fill out this little questionnaire. You put in your sizes. You uh, answer a few short little questions about the kinds of things you're looking for. And then very soon thereafter, you get this email from a stylist saying, hey, Based on what you want to buy, here's uh, you know some options for you. Here's here's what I picked out. The first time I got Bombfell, I just went, okay, send them. I got them. Amazingly, I am not exaggerating. They all fit me perfectly, right out of the box. It was amazing. I've never had clothes fit me that well. Uh, it was it was really really cool. My wife was impressed. She's like, wow, those really fit well. I dug it. I was super into it. I loved all my clothes. I've worn them a bunch of times to like try to impress people, places where I need to look good. Second time I did Bombfell, uh, they sent uh, the stylist sent me some stuff, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna have a little interaction. I wrote back and said, you know, I don't really like those jeans. Maybe I'll go with something. I kind of have something like them already. We went back and forth, and my stylist was was very accommodating and gave me other options. And so you have this ability to create a rapport with your stylist that you that can evolve over time. They can get to understand what you want, and you don't have to buy anything that you don't like or you don't want. It's fantastic. Plus, the more items you end up keeping when they send them to you, the more discount you get. So if you keep two or more items, you get 10% off. Three or more items, 15% off. Four or more items, 20% off. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So the good news is we are going to hook you up with $25 off your first purchase all because you listen to DLC. All you got to do is go to bombfell.com slash DLC. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash DLC and sign up. Give it a shot or get some clothes. See what you see what you like. I have been so, so happy with my Bombfell outfits and I think you will too. Bombfell.com slash DLC. Bombfell. Open and clothes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Clever. So good. <laughs> All right. More big news of the week. 
We got uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 officially announced. Um, it is being titled 4 with like four lines. Line, four <laughs> lines. It's not Roman numerals. I think it is building to the uh, the thing like when you're um, you're tallying something on a chalkboard and you go one, two, three, four, slash through the fifth one. I think really? they're just. I think they're building up to the five to be a slash through the four lines. That's my that's my guess. You know that might make sense. I feel like there's one cocky video game out there, video game series. It's something active. Yep. Yeah. I. I yep. They're I calling agree. their shot for the five. They're like, yeah, bear with us until we get to five. This will <laughs> oh, all man. make sense then. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, it, it's it's coming out October twelfth on PlayStation Four, Xbox One, and Windows PC. Uh, no details about what the game is going to be other than it is Black Ops and it is Treyarch that's uh, creating it. All of these things we expected. No word on whether it will even be on Battle.net, but one has to assume that if Destiny 2 is, I would think that's the new home for Activision online well, games. World War 2 wasn't. Good point. Good point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But didn't didn't Destiny 2 come after World War 2? No. No, World War II was this year's COD. I'm not the Destiny player. So, yeah, this is interesting because the Call of Duty site received an update alongside the Black Ops 4 announcement. And then I believe that update allowed users to link their Battle.net account with their existing Call of Duty account through that update. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that leads me to believe because all of the other Call of Duty games on PC to this point my understanding are on steam only so going forward it sounds like you will be able to link your battle.net account and if that's the case and use battle.net or excuse me blizzard's battle.net if you want to go through that whole renaming fiasco that they Hmm. went out that was a cluster anyway uh why would they publish the game on steam as well and have to share those profits i would i wouldn't be surprised and battle.net's a great service i mean it it isn't a step backwards it's certainly uh it's got you know it's got all the bells and whistles you want i I would be happy with it on my launcher, on my Battle.net launcher. So, um, we'll we'll and see. I got details. Destiny Two is September 2017, and uh, Asnos in the chat. And then COD was November 3rd, 2017. So same mm. year, but spread out. But maybe they didn't have time. Active World War Two, unfortunately, had its own online problems, and I fell off the game before I, I saw if they ever got resolved. But they tried to have like a hub like Destiny's Tower, and um, it was a mess. I remember that. Yeah, so it was pretty bad, huh? Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. But now W. Matthew says their website confirms it'll be on Battle.net and Steam. We'll see. I mean, they're going to do their big kickoff event, and we this is a game that we are going to constantly hear about between now and October because we have to, right? Because there are so many big games coming still <laughs> this year that this thing's going to have to compete against. Well, as you mentioned, one game that's not coming this year, and we thought it might, but uh, there was never any official release date for Days Gone. But now uh, a few more days will have gone before you can play it. <laughs> See what I did there? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Clever, clever, um, clever. I was excited for this game. Uh, we certainly, you know, don't, and we're not going to be wanting for big open world games to play at the end of the year because we'll all be playing, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, man. Uh, but... Uh, I, I'm sad to see this game not not coming out. I think what has happened is these first party Sony games have have settled into this sort of early in the year, like February March release date. Horizon did really well. Now we're seeing uh, God of War going to be hitting in there, and I think that's where Days Gone is going to settle in for 2019. Um, mm-hmm. But 
you know, I, I expect we'll see lots more about this game at, at E3 this year. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people, because it was said somewhere that it was releasing 2018, I never expected this game to come out this year. Um, so I'm not really surprised, especially with, like you said, Red Dead coming in in October. We have Black Ops 4 coming in October. We still don't know when Spider-Man's coming out. So it's like, does Days Gone really want to go up against those bad boys? Because I figure since we haven't seen anything on this game, it would be releasing around that time frame. Right. So I think it makes sense to push it anyway. No one's going up against the Red Dead monster. I mean, I Black agree. Ops is, but, you know. I'm curious about the delay where it pushes it in um, relation to Last of Us 2. While they may play very differently, tonally, um, based on the trailers, they seem similar in the sense that it's a zombie apocalypse surviving a story, a narrative, um, getting out of this thing or whatever. You think that Days Gone is going to get delayed to 2021? (laughs) <laughs> is, that, is that when you're saying Last of Us 2 is coming out? <laughs> I think Last- the Last of Us 2 will be out in 2020. Like, I, I don't see it coming out next year. So next year, Days Gone can be our 2018 zombie title, which I am all for. I love me a zombie game. Yeah, I don't disagree that Last of Us is, is maybe a 2020 title, but... I don't know. I mean, they certainly turned around, and granted it was on an existing engine and this, that, and the other, but they turned around... Um, uh, gosh, what am I Lost Legacy? On? Yeah, Uncharted Lost Legacy, really quick. So, I mean, that team is talented. If anyone could do it, I would guess it's them. But I don't know if they're trying to to rush it out the door, certainly, either. Right. No, no I mean, Naughty Dog's known for their amazing, amazing games. So I, I imagine they'll take their sweet time. They don't want to damage that beautiful reputation of theirs. And, I mean, we haven't seen any gameplay, right? We've only seen cinematics of in, in-engine shenanigans, I think is what it is. So, yeah, we haven't seen anything. I don't see this coming out next year. Speaking of damaging reputations, the Oculus Rift headsets <laughs> all bricked in the exact same moment at the exact same time on March 7th. Uh, I bring this up only because uh, I don't want to be accused of, of avoiding bad news <laughs> for VR headsets. Uh, it was fixed a day later, but it's kind of weird. We live in a time where every piece of hardware, uh, every every you know iteration of a single piece of hardware can all just stop working for some weird glitch. It, it was like Y2K for VR. <laughs> the, the certificate guy left. So there was no one there to update the certificate. Yeah. That's what happened. I don't really know if anyone got to get that yeah. guy. He, that guy can't he get to put in his time off way earlier than that because this conflicts with all the other dudes who are there. We're going to be, you know, it's not good. <laughs> But it's scary to think that there's maybe a, I mean, I guess all of our software or hardware, yeah, because hardware is so software based that there's a kill switch that yeah. Oculus, like I own this thing, this device, but they could just purposefully not renew well, a certificate and then I'm done. Evidently there isn't a, a kill switch for all devices because it literally happened the same day that all of the Amazon echoes started laughing at people and they couldn't figure oh. out how to make them stop. So who knows? It, it does feel, it felt that day to me a little out of control with <laughs> with hardware. It's like, <laughs> oh, we, we don't control any of this. Anyway, just yep. wanted to bring that up. Um, a couple of other things I want to mention before we move on from news. Valve is back to making and shipping games, according to Gabe Newell. Big headlines when they showed off their new game, Artifact, to the press. Uh, him saying that they are not only working on this game, but others. And in fact, one of them is a big single-player game, which... Hopefully we'll see the light of day someday, but uh, definitely not a Half-Life game. Um, but they, he said they want he wants they want to make games. Also, interestingly, they want to mirror Nintendo's example a little bit. He said that they've always been jealous of Nintendo and uh, notes that when Miyamoto sits down 
and starts thinking about the next version of Zelda or Mario, he gets to build it alongside the kind of hardware that the game is going to be on. And so he can kind of craft the hardware and the game at the same time, which I think is a pretty interesting uh, goal to be setting if you're a company like Valve. Mm-hmm. Artifact. I just Portal 3. Yeah, I just want Portal 3, me too. Just give me Portal I want, 3. Even, even Left 4 Dead 3 would be pretty rad. Sure, I'll point. take that too. Yeah, I just want Full Life 1. Like, I'm sick of Half-Life. I don't know. <laughs> oh, when, I, really? I think it's, yeah, we don't even bring up Half-Life anymore because we're like, eh, we wrote that one off a long time ago. Yeah, it's, I'm just dead inside. Too dead inside to even <laughs> care anymore. I'll take three quarters life. I mean, just, I just want some progress <laughs> in no, That's what life. we got. We got two two thirds life is the episodes. <laughs> that's what you got. Um <laughs> But Artifact looks really cool. In fact, one of the big bombs that they dropped at this press uh, event was that it has been co-developed by Richard Garfield. Uh, Richard Garfield is the guy to create a card game. Of course, Artifact is Unless there. Unless it involves working on a Monday. Then he's not. Oh, he hates lasagna too, right, Christian? Richard Garfield? <laughs> he loves lasagna and he hates No, Monday. he loves Mondays and hates lasagna. I know, I know my Garfields. Okay, I'm a diehard Garfield fan. I was about to kick you. For real? <laughs> yeah, I, oh yeah, Garfield's my boy. I have a dumb joke, and I feel bad saying it now. Please know it's not personal, but it's just uh, there are two types of people in the world, those that love Garfield and those that I'm friends with. Oh, ouch. <laughs> well, I know where I land now. It's it, all good, man. It's the, it's the dumbest, like, because you just don't find diehard Garfield fans, right? That's it's yeah. it's very It's a very dumb well, letter, but... Uh, I'm I sure gotta go, by the way. I'm this sure he's show. never had to deal with that his whole <laughs> life. Um, Richard Garfield, of course, is a superstar card game designer. He designed Magic the Gathering, which is the game that started it all. Uh, Android Netrunner, King of Tokyo, uh, the list goes on and on and on. He's created some of the greatest games ever. So Valve just went, oh, let's, why don't we just get the best guy to do this? Uh, which makes me very excited. And Artifact sounds really cool. It has um, three lanes just like the uh, dota that it's based on um and it sounds like it's bringing some really interesting new stuff to the table for digital card games which i think are a little played out at this point but if richard garfield's making a a one i'm going to pay attention to it that's for sure the last digital card game i played was fable fortune um a while ago that one was really fun have either of you checked that out no, I, I played a bunch of Gwent when it was a standalone game, and oh, yeah. uh, of course Hearthstone. But I haven't, uh, I haven't tried the Fable one. You should. I like it because it's co-op as well, so you can play with someone. Oh, that is great. Yeah. Oh, and then finally to wrap up the news, as I said, a big lengthy news segment this week. But uh, this one I find very exciting, and uh, I'd love to get what you guys think about it. Blue Point. Blue Point Games, the developer that handled the remake of Shadow of the Colossus, has reported to Digital Foundry that their next game is another remake. And they what? say it is an even more ambitious remake than Shadow of the Colossus was. They said, we're really excited about our next project, and we think you will be too when you find out what it is. I've been talking about this. We've been talking about this Shadow of the Classes remake for weeks and weeks on the show, I have said, uh, my contention is that very few games of the era of Shadow of the Colossus deserve the treatment it got and would work as modern games. Like Shadow of the Colossus is in a Mm -hmm. very elite class of games that felt so far ahead of its time at the time that they feel like a modern current 
game now just by updating the visuals and tweaking a few control things. Um, I don't know how many other games there are like that, and I'm so curious what you guys think and what your dream game would be in this situation, Britt. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I played Shadow of the Colossus for the first time with the remake. So, and one of the things that stood out the most to me was, holy crap, this game seems like it could have been made yesterday. And I never, I never would have thought that it was made as long ago as it was. So you're totally correct in that. It was pretty uh, mind blowing or to quote Dragon Ball Z, mind boggling. Um, if you look at Blue Point's track record, the loud, a lot of the majority of their games have been on a PlayStation. So I think the general assumption is that their next, you know, remake, remaster remake is going to be on a PlayStation title. So some of the more popular ones floating around Metal Gear Solid one, mm-hmm. Silent Hill. Some people mm-hmm. are thinking Eco. There's Resistance, Demon Souls, and then the one I'm holding out hope for Legend of Dragoon, baby. That's never happening. <laughs> Legend of Dragoon. That's, that's never happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess Christian of that list, you'd be most excited for Metal Gear Solid, but I feel like that's got to be like a joint production with Konami and that would be problematic. So it seems less likely to me. And I have twin snakes. Uh, they've already, you know, they did it once and it was very different. It was Silicon Knights came in and kind of westernized some of it and added very over the top cuts, oh, already over the top, but you know, much more dramatic action cutscenes. Um, I'd be happy with that. Um, the joke answer is that they're going to be doing the Joel collection for The Last of Us for PlayStation 5, the way they did the yeah. Nathan Drake collection, uh, for PS4. I, I think Demon's Souls is the strongest, is, would be, if I were to bet money, the one I would bet on. Those servers have been shut down now. Um, that franchise, you know, the Souls idea continues to be hot, hot, hot. If anyone is going to remake it, it has to be Sony because they own the IP. So that's why they kind of just, oh yeah, you own Demon Souls? Well, we created Dark Souls. What is it? Same thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is ours now. Um, I think that could be huge and especially, you know, the interest that Dark Souls One is getting with its remaster, I think a Demon Souls remaster would be um would be bigger. And then in the chat, who was it that mentioned it? Reach that far said Sands of Time. I would love to see some oh, of Prince those of Persia, yeah, Prince of Persia oh, come back. I love that game. I love that game, and I would be very excited. But again, not a Sony game, right? That's a Ubisoft it, game. So, but Blue Point has done non Sony stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I do agree that recently most of their stuff has been Sony, but I do not. Believe, I believe they are not, you know, owned by Sony or contractually obligated to work on on Sony games. Maybe God of War. Maybe we got three remastered. What last year, two years ago? That was yeah, pretty we much got just kind of it. Shadow of the Colossus remastered too. So, but I mean, on PlayStation Four, we got yeah. Gears, God of War three. Um, and Microsoft, like, if they did leave the Sony window, is there anything on Microsoft's? Microsoft's doing such a good job with the Xbox three sixty. Uh, X updates and backwards compatibility that I don't know. I don't know if they're worried about this approach. Nah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's a very, very small grouping of games that actually even deserve this kind of thing and would benefit from it. I, I, I agree with you guys that I think the, if I had to go to Vegas and put money down, it would be on Demon Souls. Um, that does seem like it makes the most sense, but it's kind of the least thrilling notion for me because a more beautiful Demon Souls I, it doesn't seem like that's going to be very impressive. I don't know. Um, but maybe, maybe. Um, I just don't know what I would even want. I mean, if you just kind of blew it open to anything, I would give me a remake of Grandia 2. But that's because I love Grandia 2. <laughs> <laughs> there um, we go. 
And yeah. what's also interesting about the quote here is he, I'm paraphrasing, but it sounds like they're going to be tweaking some gameplay elements. So, you know, pro- possibly modernizing a way a game played back then that hasn't held up so well today. So, you know, I don't, I'd never played Demon Souls, so I'm not sure if that would fit the bill, hmm. but. Well, we shall see, uh, but it's pretty exciting. I think this whole notion of remaking things instead of just remastering them uh, is is a trend I would like to see continue. I think the results of Shadow of the Colossus bear that out and make me much more excited for that kind of thing than just uprezzing existing assets. Like, yeah, rebuild it. Make it stronger. Make it better. Six million dollar man style. Um, <laughs> so I'm into it. Um, all right. Let us move on now. That is a lot of news and a big week. Man, so much stuff happening this week. Um, we didn't even talk about the fact that there's a rumor of PlayStation 5 dev kits going out already. It's, it's, oh boy. it's crazy. Wait, what was that? Yeah, that's the rumor. I know you, oh. you Spastradamus did, I think, in that. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I do want to thank our second sponsor, which is Brooklyn. And, oh, I got to tell you guys, I um, we just had some work done on, on our house, which made us have to move out of our bedroom um, for a while and sleep on uh, in a different room on a very not our bed. We we weren't able to sleep in our bed, which means we weren't sleeping on our Brooklyn and sheets. And just the other night, we finally got back into our bedroom onto our bed, and it was like returning back home to my cloud nest of love joy. You know, it was just, just, Oh, my Brooklyn and sheets. Oh, my, Oh, my mattress that I love. Oh, it's so great. You know, when you travel and you, you know, as as whatever nice hotel you go to or not so nice hotel, it's so nice to get home and sleep back on your sheets in your bed. It can be even better. And I'm here to vouch for it. If you do it with Brooklyn and sheets, because this is like the lap of luxury. It is really affordable, but high-end comfort. Uh, and Brooklyn and sheets are, I mean, their whole philosophy behind them is to have beautiful home essentials with not crazy prices. So this is, this is an affordable way to do it. There's no unnecessary markups or fees. And you will find that most bedding that you buy in stores is marked up as much as 300%. And you never want bedding that has more markup than it has thread count. That's my that's my rule of thumb. Yeah, that's dumb. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Brooklyn is the fastest growing bedding brand in the world with over 12,000 five-star reviews. And Brooklyn and Sheets were just named the winner of the best online bedding category by Good Housekeeping. So don't take my word for it. Take good housekeeping's word for it. Um, I really, I really love my Brooklyn and sheets. And Brooklyn has an exclusive offer just for listeners of DLC. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code DLC at Brooklyn.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And Brooklyn is so confident that you're going to love their sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. So there's no risk. It's great. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen. These are the best sheets ever. Time 
time to finally talk about the games we are playing. And uh, I'm, I have to be honest, I, uh, I've been putting a lot of hours into a game that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. So, oh, snap. I know, I know. Um, uh, but it, it, it rhymes with uh, Miso Looney Tunes. So that's a little, <gasps> we'll talk about that next week. But, um, <gasps> uh, Britt, I'm so excited to hear oh. you talk about your playlist. Uh, what what you been playing? I love that tease. That was a great tease, Jeff. I have been playing Kingdom Come Deliverance. This is a title pushed out by Warhorse. It was Kickstarted back in the day. Kickstarter went really well. Um, are you familiar with this game at all? Anyone? I am. I played it very briefly. Um, I know it is it has been a huge unexpected hit. Uh, a lot of people are playing it, and it is the I call it the uh, the Renfair video game. <laughs> that's very good. That's a good, I like that a lot. So what's so cool about this game is that it's extremely historically accurate. Uh, Warhorse did a lot of their research. I, I believe that the world you are playing in is based around a real event that happened. A lot of politics, a lot of people like killing each other, all that good stuff. And you are the son of a blacksmith and some stuff goes down and your adventure begins. That old chestnut. So what I also love about it is I love the medieval setting. I am a fan of medieval, all of the medieval things. Typically, I like medieval with fantasy. So I wasn't sure how I would feel about Kingdom Come Deliverance since there's no fantasy. It's just like true blue medieval times. Um, but I, I, I'm loving it. And what I tell people is if you like the game like Skyrim, you know, you would probably enjoy this game as well. With that said, it's very, uh, it's not as janky as PUBG, I would say, but it's definitely going through some growing pains right now. Um, the game, ever since they pushed out patch 1.2.5, for me on my end, it's crashed every like 30 to 45 minutes, and there's wow. no autosave functionality in this game. Mm, that's I don't, brutal. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure why they did that. It could be so that you can't spam the decisions you make or you can't um, play the system, so to speak. The only way you can save your game is by sleeping in a bed or brewing slash drinking these thing called Savior Schnapps, which is an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> and you can either buy them or craft them yourself. Um, however, with patch 1.3 coming, they're implementing a save and exit functionality, which will be greatly appreciated and improve lock picking and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I sadly had to set the game down today because it crashed about four times within an hour and a half. Oh, so. Yeah, so hopefully uh, patch 1.3 is already out on PC. I believe it's coming to consoles early next week, so I'll pick it up then. But I love it. I mean, there's a lot of stats to, you know, you have your combat, your sword, your axe, your unarmed. You have stealth, pickpocketing, lockpicking, um, you know, all those sorts of RPG elements. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. this is a game that I bounced off of a little bit. Um, I mean, I go to games too be able to throw fireballs and be awesome. You know, like I, it's, I think it's a really interesting idea to ha say, Hey, let's make it really historically accurate. You have to manage all these things that a real person would have to manage. And even more than that, you're not even the most important person in this world. You're just some guy trying to mm -hmm. not die and trying to stay out of the way and figure out what's going on and maybe, you know, fall in love or whatever. But I think that's a really cool concept. And I admire the follow through on on how detailed they got with it but it just it just felt a little flat for me and i'm, I'm actually genuinely surprised that so many people are into it 
Yeah, I think for me, I when I play video games, I like to lose myself in the story and the characters and the development and all that stuff. And what's interesting is I feel like it's, I mean, typical like RPG fashion, like you're the boy of the village and you can pick up the sword someday and now you can save lives and defeat the evil beast. Like that's a typical thing that we see a lot. But I think they do such a good job at making you feel so insignificant. I mean, at the beginning, you know, you have nothing. You have to, like, try to steal food and sell it for, like, half of a dollar so you can maybe buy a lockpick so you can maybe finish this quest. And it's interesting because they do such a good job at not making you feel like you're the chosen one and you're, like, this important one. I haven't seen that angle taken in a long time, if ever. So that's what I really like about it. And like I said, you know, it's medieval. I'm a sucker for that stuff. You could put anything with a medieval theme on it, and I'd probably give it a shot and like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, it scratches that same itch of the people that go to Ren Fair and they stay in character the whole time. And, you know, it's like, you know, this is not how it would be if we were living in this time. You got, you, you know, you got to order your turkey leg in the right way, sir. I'm sorry. You know, it's like, uh, it's. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh, Christian, do you have any desire to play this game at all? No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so glad Brit's enjoying it. I, I know a lot of people are. I mean, it's a massive hit. It like sold over a million copies. I think. I think maybe two million. Was it two million? I read. Anyway, a ton. Um, and I just, it's, it's just an odd, unexpected hit that I. It's really connecting with a lot of people. Yeah, I would say if it's something that you are interested in playing, wait till at least one point three. The patch comes out. Um, you know, it. It isn't any develop. I mean, they're doing good. They're doing good for what they have. It's just these things happen. Um, and you just have to be patient, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else is on your playlist? I have been playing Super One More Jump by hmm. SMG Studio. Yeah, so this is a studio, and they've put out, I'm looking at their website, about nine titles. This is only their second console game. Their first one was Death Squared uh, for Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox. And that was a really fun uh, party puzzler game, co-op party puzzler game. And I loved it a lot. And so when they put out Super One More Jump, I was like, all right, you have my interest. And it's kind of hard to explain because I've never played a game like this. It's described on their website as a handcrafted arcade platformer. And how it works is you can play with up to four people. So it's just my husband and I playing it. So you have designated colors. Like I'm green and he's pink, I think. And the the it's a platformer. And the platformer consists of bars of certain colors. And you can only move there's only one character and you can only control that character when that character is on your colored bar Hmm. and the only thing you can do is jump that's all you can do but the puzzles are so intricately made and there's i think 60 um co-op puzzles and i think they're adding more as the weeks go on that we spent so i'm sorry let me me just i'm sorry i just want to make sure i understand what what the concept is i'm not familiar with this game so the, you control the color of the platform. So when the character's on your platform, you're controlling it. So it's like you're handing it off back and forth between each other? Yeah, yeah. So so the character at the beginning of all these levels is like this square dude with a smiley face on it. And he has to be happy and smiling because otherwise you will feel really sad. <laughs> so and what happens is you push the go button and then he's going on. Like you are not slowing this train down. But when he's over like, okay, let's say I'm controlling the pink one and my husband's controlling the green one. When he's over the pink bar, I have to push jump to, p- p- to jump him on the green bar and then my husband has to jump him onto the next pink bar so on and so forth but it's so fast paced 
and you will die like hundreds of times on specific levels, but it's so addicting. That's why they call it super one more jump. Last night it was about 1130. I said, okay, I'm getting tired because I'm an old woman. So we got to go to bed. He's like, no, just one more jump. And then 20 minutes later, we were still playing the level. We spent about (laughs) 35 minutes on one level. So if you have a friend, a partner, someone who you have a lot of patience with and you love unconditionally, I would recommend playing this game. It's probably a good testament to your relationship with someone because you have to be real patient. We have to play this at the office. Oh, you and I, because we're the opposite of that. And I will be your nightmare and (laughs) it will be hilarious for everyone involved. Yes. Uh, yay. Because Christian loves these kind of games. Personally. (laughs) Christian (laughs) loves these kind of uh, precision jumping games. I don't, and I'm terrible at them. And so the fact that he is strapped to me in some sort of digital uh, one-legged or three-legged race uh, would, would would be so fun. It's so good because the levels themselves, if you play it flawlessly, maybe only take 15 to 20 seconds, but you die so often that you will spend 30 plus minutes per level sometimes. And it's great because when you, as soon as you die, you're immediately starting over again. So there's no like, like downtime or anything like that. Also, if you haven't played Kalimba, Jeff, with Christian, I think you would really, that's another precision based platformer. And Kalimba? It, it's, Kalimba, yeah, it's, it's an Xbox exclusive. Um, I don't know if it's on PC or not, but uh, it'll test your relationship for sure. Let's test a relationship, Christian. <laughs> How good of friends are you, really? So thanks for joining us on DLC week after the split. Um, <laughs> Christian will have one section of the show. I will have the other, and we will not intersect. No. Nope. Uh, you might hate each other for a few weeks, but you'll get over it. we got to do that. we got to hate each other for a few weeks and then get over it. Okay, I'm on board. All right. I'm on board. I, uh, I'll start hating you now. Just, just, just. <laughs> just to get ahead of the game? You're yeah. always ahead of the game, just like I said at the beginning. Um, speaking of being ahead of the game, what is on your playlist, Mr. Christian Spicer? Old game. So we talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. I did a whole ALTMM about it a couple weeks ago, too. Like, when do you put a game down? And, like, seeing credits, is that the end of a game? Or does it, you know, you talked about it for um, Into the Breach, I think is where you talked about it. And so... I went back and I saw my 3DS sitting there as I was playing Smash on it. And I was like, man, I, did I ever beat 3D Land? That was such a good game. Did I ever beat it? I should fire that up again. So I fired it up. I, I had air quote beat it, you know, gone through the progression of the eight levels. And I think it was on the third, second, second special world, second special level. And I was like, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to play more of this. I love this game so much. Why didn't I finish these special levels? There's a whole other half of the game ahead of me. Uh, I made it through the, I finished that second world and got through the third and started on the third world and I started to get frustrated and I wasn't enjoying my experience. And for me, I feel like that, um, so, not solidified, but gave me a reason for why I'm maybe quicker to jump off a game after I see the credits than I am to say, I need to complete all of these special worlds hmm. is because I feel like as a as a guy who grew up with games my whole life, I can get to the end, the credits of most games. But when Mario starts dropping these special worlds on you, I don't think I can I can complete them all. Uh, certainly not get three coins on all of them. And then I, I get to this point where it's like, why am I playing this anyway? If I can't finish it, this is so dumb. And I <laughs> forgot that, you know, eight hours of fun I had to get to that point. <laughs> and so it was a, it was a real eye-opening moment for me. Like, oh, this is why I put this game down before. I'm going to put it down again. And I just need to be done with it and know that I can't 
I can't do it. Do you do you mess with special levels, Britt, or do you new game plus when there's like new content unlocked? Do you need to see everything or is a game t- done at credits? I too struggle with that. I have a really hard time hopping into DLC post game credits. I don't even if it adds something to the story, I know Mass Effect has done lots of that and uh, so did Dragon Age. But yeah, for me, I feel like once the credits roll, you know, that story has wrapped up. Now if it's, you know, epilogue kind of stuff i think i'm more especially if it's story-based game then i'm definitely gonna like hop back into it because i want to know how that story continues but yeah more often than not it's the same story it's like a mental block of mine i don't know it's weird yeah i was expressing the same thing last week i i even with into the breach which you you know you can get to the credits in like you know an hour and a half two hours but that's not the end of the game. You know, it's more like getting to the end of the credits at in street fighter two or something. It's like, yeah, you finished the game with a character. That's not the game. <laughs> you just, you know, <laughs> right. Um, so, but I also got to the end of into the breach and I was like, yeah, I could go back and do it. And I, I did a couple of times, but it, it's just, I lost, we, you know, we've been talking a lot about carrots and sticks this episode. I lost that <laughs> feeling of needing is there's more to see. There's more to see. And yeah, there is technically more to see. And especially in the case that you're talking about with 3d land, there is genuinely more to see because these levels are new and different. But for some reason, I, I, I'm not as pulled along as I am. If it's like, well, but there's a bigger thing around the corner. Cause this isn't over yet, sir. There's no yeah. credits here. You haven't seen the end. Yeah, and even with like a, a end bonus, like now you really beat it. Here's the real credits, like Arkham City or whatever, or whichever. It's like if you did everything, got this extra special, you know, two second or ten second thing that does the real ending. Even that rarely pulls me forward. Um, all that being said, Super Mario 3D Land, which I think is one of the players' choice um, titles for 3DS, is it is excellent. It is an absolutely phenomenal game. Um, I just don't, I know I won't be seeing all of the special levels. <laughs> and then I have, I, I've got Far Cry Fever, baby. I can't, can't stop, won't stop. And I remembered that I had Blood Dragon on PC and I never played it because I didn't have a powerful PC when I bought it. I didn't know you and were such I a do. big Far Cry guy. I'm a big Far Cry guy in that I own all of them and have played all of them for many hours and I've only seen the ending of one of them. Which one? <laughs> Which one? Three. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Far Cry so 2 is still my favorite. So good. It's, I got lost or like, I got to a point where it was like, I knew, I, I know there is a way out, but I was like, there's no, I can't, I'm done. I can't, like something, it was like one of those things where I messed up in the world and it was like, oh yeah, this is over. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's excellent. And ah, uh, no, Far Cry 1, I didn't either. I got close in Far Cry 1. And 4 is fun, but it's so close after. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, even the, what's, Primal. Primal's so well done. Mm-hmm. I never so well played done. Primal. Yeah, I feel bad about that a little bit. It's a good one. Yeah. It's so, good. You're, so you're playing Far Cry 3, and I'm assuming you're super stoked for Far Cry 5. So I, are so you... I'm, I'm stoked. So I'm playing Blood Dragon right now. Okay. I'm playing Blood okay. Dragon on PC, and I am very stoked for Far Cry 5. Go ahead. Okay. That, no, no, that makes sense, because what, what I found that if I play a game, like, if I play Bayonetta, I can't jump right into Bayonetta 2, or if I play Infamous, like, I couldn't jump right back into Infamous 2, because I'm burned out on that formula. But if you're playing Blood Dragon, like, that's not similar, you know, in, in any way. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking around, mostly the DLC trailers for Far Cry 5, and that arcade trailer with, like, the level editor and stuff that they released got me excited for more 
you know, off the rails Far Cry. And I was like, oh, I played it a little on PS3 back in the day, but now my PC is beefy and I can run it at max settings. Not that it's a, a stunner. It's still a last gen game, but it does look good on PC. And I started putting some time into it again. And uh, it's so well done. That game, it's so well done. And I hope the DLC for five, um, like the Mars or whatever, the one mm-hmm. that they showed, kind of follows that approach because taking that Far Cry formula and then just winking at the ridiculousness of it all is is so great. And I think this thing, it's the thing that's that held Wildlands back. Well, I know it's not Far Cry, but it was like that game took itself so seriously. Yeah. And the missions were just off the wall. I was landing a helicopter on top of an embassy, throwing two (laughs) smoke grenades in, going in and killing everybody and then leaving and having my partner be like, expletive, expletive, let's do some expletives. (laughs) And I was like... Yeah, this should be zany, not uh, a serious cutscene like, congratulations, soldier, because of you. People sleep <laughs> safe tonight, and this no, 10-year-old I- isn't dead because of drugs. And I'm just like, come on, what are you doing? I totally know what you're talking about. I loved Ghost because it was the controls and the physics, too, were so funny because they were so bad at the time when I played anyway. I just couldn't take the game seriously like it wanted, but that was actually part of its charm, right? It's like you're taking yourself so seriously, but the things you're having to do are so ridiculous. Yeah, I just don't know if they were in on that joke, and I feel bad. Yeah. I feel bad laughing at, it's like The Room, the film The Room, like, mm. now he's laughing with us, but at first we were just laughing at him. Like that, we were just, <laughs> How do I feel about that? That yeah. feels bad. But Far Cry 5, um, I, I'm curious how they handle all of it, because when they, I think when they first showed it, it was this very serious, um, mm-hmm. you know, take on current, the current culture and taking the fight to America, whether it's political or not, is interesting and new and a thing they hadn't done before where, you know, it's e- air quote easy for us to kill others as mm-hmm. this great white hope, the way so many of the other games are and have been. But now you are killing fellow American citizens. Um, and they framed it as serious and they had like, you know, we're making a point. They had these dramatic trailers. Yeah, and I think, that. Of, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Since then, it's kind of been like, yeah, we have that. It's Far Cry, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was yeah. great marketing, right? It definitely caught the eyes and attention of a lot of people. Um, I don't know. Have you guys done any demos of that game yet? Uh, not, not since, since E3, E3 or PSX. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did one a while ago, and I know this is a family-friendly show, but I participated in a quest called the Testy Festy, and that's exactly what you think it would be. Mm. Um, a testicle festival with bulls. And I had to go out and collect these uh, objects for a festival where we ate them. And I drank so much that I passed out and woke up next to a pig the next morning. So it's definitely, you Serious, know, it has that, very oh, mature, very, yeah. yes, I love circumspect, it. Circumspect, very, uh, yeah, very, yeah, yeah, I hear you. That's what it's going to be, but I think it'll still be fun. <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely. Not, I'm just going to let it, yeah, uh, we'll see. Right. If, it, if it's offensive, it's offensive, but, um, I'm actually looking forward to it too. But I, I understand that thing you're you're going through, Christian, where this often happens to me the days following E3 where I see some great new game and I literally can't play it yet. And I just saw it and I got all excited and all I wanted to do was go home and play it and I can't. And so I try to find some game that almost <laughs> makes me, scratches that itch, you know, almost gets me the same sensation and it never feels satisfying because all I want to do, like last year it was... Um, I, I remember I went back to Ubisoft's booth like three times to play more of Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle yeah. at E3. And they're like, weren't you here yesterday? I was like, no, I don't know. Weird. I have, don't I have, I have a mustache now. It's strange. Um, <laughs> and uh, all I want to do is play more of that. And I was like, well, I could load XCOM because it's kind of that, but that's not what I was playing. And 
mm-hmm. never, I'm never able to do that. It's you sort of have to wait for the game that you want. Yeah, I, I also, I we don't need to talk about it because I didn't play much of it, but I did the same thing. I played this past week. I also played God of War three remastered, which is why I, I knew so quickly oh. that it was out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, so like I said, the game I've been playing mostly, I'm not able to talk about. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, an a hole about that. I just, I just the truth of my playlist is, uh, but I do want to talk about a game, uh, an indie game that I really, really like. It's called War Tile. And it is on Steam, and um, I put a few hours into this game as well. It is, um, it is, you know, the when you have you guys ever been to uh, a a game convention that has tabletop, and you'll walk, and there always is a room of the guys who like have built the incredibly intense miniatures scenario things like at a PAX or something. You'll walk around and you'll mm-hmm. see the guys that have like real trees and, and castles and ruins and stuff. And it looks like the coolest medieval, you know, train set or something. Uh, and there's a lot of people who play hero scape and have like intense amount of hero scape hex, you know, uh, sets that they've built together that look really cool and really awesome. Well, war tile is the digital version of that. It is making no bones about the fact that it is a tabletop type experience, but done digitally where you have, we have, you know, figurines literally depicted as figurines uh, in the game that look like hero clicks or hero scape characters where they have a big base on them that gives you information about them. And uh, you are going into these, sets that are made of hexes, hexagonal uh, places that y- they can move and are multi-level and have all kinds of cool decorations and features on them. And there are a bunch of enemies and you go and you have to explore and collect things and attack them. And so aesthetically, it looks really, really cool. They do some tilt shifting stuff. So it looks like a miniature and uh, some shallow focus things. It, it looks really, really cool. It, it delivers that feeling that you're playing a playset, you know, a little diorama playset. And uh, I love that. I mean, I, I was a big fan of HeroScape, and it, it looks really cool. But what that immediately, you would assume, based on that aesthetic, is that the game is all turn-based, like all of those tabletop games. And the twist with Wartile is that it is not turn-based. It is real-time. It is real-time strategy done in this weird turn-based aesthetic. And I found that to be really clever and really unexpected. So the idea here is you have your tokens, um, like two or three-member teams, and it's all Norse mythology-based, uh, the the fiction of the world. So you have these you know, Norse uh, axe and shield dudes or spears or uh, there's like uh, mages and stuff as well that can do very, uh, not your typical Gandalf, Tolkien-esque mages, but like I will make a, a, a crow appear above you and it will suck your life away when it explodes in your face. <laughs> you know, that kind of weird Norse, Norse stuff. And you're moving them around. And anytime they're adjacent to an enemy, they will automatically attack that enemy. If that enemy is within their attacking sphere, they will attack it. And you have cards as well. You have a deck of cards for each of these characters that constitute certain special attacks and special maneuvers that they can do. And you can drag those cards onto the play area and deploy them. But 
all of the attacking is happening on its own just as long as you are able to move them into the right hexes in relation to the enemies. And every move that you have or attack you have or whatever has a cooldown. So you're trying to uh, move your guys as they're automatically being attacked and automatically attacking and all the enemies are attacking and it's all happening in real time without turns. And you're trying to you know maneuver all that and get the guys in the right place and manage their health and give them heals when they need it. It's almost like um, like a Dragon Age, you know, when your guys in Dragon Age are fighting on their own and you're like, pause, help. But there's no pause mm-hmm. here. You're just trying to do it in real time, like deploying stuff. It's really cool and really different and really fun. I, I'm finding a, a lot of joy in it. And, of course, there's all of the trappings of a role-playing game where you level up your characters and you get them new items and you get new cards that give them new abilities and you do quests. The only downside that I've encountered so far is that it makes you repeat some of the scenarios before you can move on uh, and do them. Like in diff- if you fail them? Or, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it'll be mm. like um, you have a, a certain reputation level and the next area that opens up on your campaign map will require a number that's higher than you are. So your only option, unless you want to go in, you know, underpowered for what is expected of you, because you can certainly attempt it at a lower level, but... In or, you know, you sort of have to grind up to that mm. reputation level by going back and doing uh, older quests again. Um, and there are ways to do it with different characters from your stable of characters, so making it feel a little bit different. But it's a bit of a bummer that you have to, like, go back and repeat things in order to just grind up your levels. It sounds like it needs some side quests or, so, you know, something. It, it needs that other, you know, that uh, you do the main mission and then you're not... Uh, story ready or character level ready to go to the next right. one. So then you go and you collect pigs. Or well, whatever. all of the all of the <laughs> scenarios pigs? have have side um, um, side goals um, objectives is the word I'm looking for. Side objectives that that are um, sometimes harder to to achieve than the main goal. But the weird thing is if you accidentally achieve the main goal, the quest immediately ends and you go back to the main menu. <laughs> so it's like even if I was like, oh, well, I'll de- definitely pick up three more of those things that I, I need to do the side quest. But I get to the end and I'm like, oh, cool, the horn of Hjolner that I wanted. And I pick it up and it's like, congratulations, you're done. It's like, no, I was going to get no! three more of the rats to, you know, whatever. So, um <laughs> Yeah. So I was looking at some screenshots, and it looks really interesting, and it does look really pretty, like you were saying. So I've played RPGs my whole life, but I've never played a game like this. Is there a steep learning curve? I don't think there is. I mean, it, it is definitely um, it is definitely pretty simple to pick up, and the fact that so much is sort of done on its own, like you're not selecting an attack every time. You're just literally putting the characters adjacent to the bad guys and they start attacking and you quickly realize, Oh man, Oh, they're getting their butt kicked or I'm kicking their, the bad guys butts, whatever it is. Or I need to, boy, I need to do something in order to change this. I need to either move them out of range and because they're getting worked or I need to deploy one of my cool cards to, you know, change the tide of battle. So you're sort of managing it as it's going. Uh, It's very much like a, real-time strategy game in that sense. Um, I wish everybody could have, if, if you're just listening to the audio version of this, uh, just please know you missed out on Jeff acting out, moving everything. I could see his mouse cursor, and you were doing it. You were you were mousing out what yeah. you were describing as you were describing it. That was pretty <laughs> Amazing. great. Yeah, I, yeah, it helps. <laughs> you can move them around, and you're like moving them around. You were doing it. Yeah. That was great. Uh, it's, uh, it's called War Tile. Uh, I bought it. It was 20 bucks on Steam. And I'm... I, 
I haven't heard anybody else talk about this game, but I saw it just kind of come up on Steam, and I was like, well, that's an aesthetic that I love. So uh, I give it a shot, and I'm really glad I did. I hope more people give it a try. It's really cool. War Tile. Cool. All right, let's move on. Um, We'll talk a little bit of VR. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Oh, man, I love Audible. Audible is my faithful companion. Uh, Audible helps me work out, helps me clean the house, helps me do chores. Audible is always there for me. And I use Audible as a way to motivate myself to get things done. Audible has... Uh, an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. It is this compendium of the coolest stuff. I like getting really into a book that I'm listening to and then telling myself, okay, I can't listen to the next chapter of that until I do something. You know, I, I go out on a run or I, um, you know, I need to do the chores in the house. It's a motivator for me because I really want to hear what happens next, but I force myself to do it with Audible and get something done at the same time, which is really, really cool to do. But Audible has really awesome features. The Audible app makes listening to Audible books and other titles better than other formats. You can share books from your library with with anyone and you can uh, share audio excerpts, clips. So you're like, oh my God, this is cool. Christian has to hear this. I better send him a clip. You can navigate through chapters. It's got whisper sync for voice. You can switch fa- back and forth between reading on your device and listening to the audiobook, which is pretty cool. And I, you know, I want to suggest some books if you want to. We're going to give you a free audiobook. Uh, so if you sign up at audible.com slash DLC, You'll get a free audiobook with the 30-day trial membership. All you gotta do is go to audible.com slash DLC, browse the unwatched, excuse me, unmatched, <laughs> browse their unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and start listening. It's that easy. So uh, I have been listening to Oathbringer, which is the third book in the Stormlight Archive, which I'm really digging. The audiobook version is quite good. In fact, they use multiple readers to give a different feeling when the narrator changes in the book. So sometimes there's females that it's kind of in the POV of, and sometimes there's males. So you, they use different uh, readers to do that, which is really cool. And also, if you want to hear me do an audiobook, I have done one. Uh, it's called Traveling in Space. I did about 35 voices in it. It's a, a science fiction book by Stephen Paul Leva. It's great. It's on Audible. It can be your book. It can be your free book that you get by going to audible.com slash DLC. In fact, if you haven't listened to it, boy, I'd be grateful if you did. I'm really proud of the work I did on it. And I think it's a really fun, funny book. It's It's about First contact with aliens, but from the alien's perspective. So I, I'd love to give for you to give it a shot. Audible.com slash DLC. Get started today. What a good time to be into VR. Britt, I know you have been playing some VR games. What what you been playing? I, yeah, so I finally hooked up my PSVR after a long time of having it, and I kind of went crazy and dabbled in quite a few things. But the games I have been playing the most was Moss, which is Polyarch's 
platformer slash puzzle game, which is super duper adorable. Have any of you played that yet? Uh, we love it with our whole hearts. Yeah, so I don't need to talk about it too much, but I love it because I love, I love how it just puts. I love the stagnant view, you know, where you just kind of look around and you can do the platforming. Because sometimes if I have to look around too much, I get a little dizzy. So I really like how it's it's. Uh, I don't get motion sickness from it. And I love that the, you can look behind you and you see swords and helmets and armor in your middle of a swamp or you never know where you are. And I think that's part of the magic of VR. And Polyarch did such a great job at inserting little details, you know, where you would least expect them. And it was yeah. fun to, like, try to solve a puzzle and stand up and, like, peer around and find the solution. So um, cool, right? So good. Christian, so good. have you finished the moss yet? I'm sorry, I lost you there. For yeah, yeah, you lost me. You lost me. You said you were going to finish it by this week. Come on, man. You you play that game in a sitting. Uh, one, you sit for much longer than I do. Two, <laughs> two. This past week was busy, and my wife was out of town a couple of nights. And my VR is in my office where I don't feel comfortable playing VR while my kids are asleep. Mm. So those are my excuses uh, for why I've not finished Moss. You got to be a less good dad. <laughs> Uh, but no, right. Moss is really cute. I really liked it. The other game I dabbled in a little longer than I should have because my sanity is a little ruined right now was Paranormal Activity: The Lost Soul. Oh boy! Yeah, I love horror. I love horror games. I love horror films. Um, and I unfortunately love horror VR. And as you will quickly find out, you can't really cover your eyes in horror VR. Even no, though I try, sure. it. I try it every time. Did you stream this? Because you 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 do it, uh, or at least were I I've fallen off on checking as regularly. But you were doing your horror streams at What's Good. You, did you stream this? We no, I didn't. So that was for a Facebook series called Lights Off, where the ladies and I played a bunch of horror games and uh, for everyone else's pleasure because we were little wussies about it. And it was they were pretty, pretty good. They were yeah. pretty good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's Facebook.com slash lights off plug. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's an old plug, though. If they're not paying you anymore, who cares, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, forever, ever. So, yeah, I mean, I love horror experiences on VR. Uh, is it called Dread Halls? That was something I played a while ago, and that one, you know, it was when VR was like first coming out. Um, but so, Paranormal Activity. Unfortunately, I played this with a DualShock, and it's barely acceptable. And the control scheme is really wonky and doesn't make a lot of sense. I've heard it's better with the move controllers. But my move controllers had not been charged, so I couldn't use them. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. It's a cliche saying, but VR really does take horror to the next level. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I walked into this room in Paranormal Activity. And I walk, and there's one of those, I think they're called the Bozo Clowns, that you kind of, like, bop, and they, like, fly down, and they come back up, and you hit them again. It's like a little portable punching bag. And I walk, and there's, like, a little clown watching a TV that's nothing but just pure static, which is very Paranormal Activity-esque. I said, okay, this isn't weird at all. And then there's a record player in the back of the room playing something from the 30s or 40s, and it just sounded really creepy considering the atmosphere. So I, like, stagger over there, and, like, I'm turning this off because this is bugging me. So I turn it off, and I turn around, and I start walking out again, and then the music started playing again behind me. So, you know, if, if this is a typical horror game, you would use the right analog stick to turn around and, you know, click over and look at it. But in this case, you know, you use your actual physical head to, like, look behind you. I look behind me, and then the music stops. I'm like, okay. So then I turn back ahead and I start walking out again and then it starts again. And I turn behind me and then the music stops and then a door rattled right next to me and I screamed and I threw the headset off. 
Like it's it's just so crazy how immersive it is. Yeah. And it's hard because I love it so much, but it's so hard for me to play more than like 15, 20 minutes at a time because it's so freaky. Generally, I'll have to have a few shots beforehand and it's a little easier. But I, I almost feel like it's too easy for them to scare me in VR. Like it, it's like you don't have to even try. It's so easy <laughs> to get me to crap my pants in VR. Uh, it's like <laughs> – you know, I don't. Even, I don't have any respect for you, game designers, because uh, it, it takes very little effort. Uh, but you know, I think no, this, is, this game sounds like a nope for me. Oh, it's a big nope. <laughs> if you're not into horror, it's it's a big fat nope. You know, the atmosphere, the creepy music, the dimly lit halls, the all of it just combines, and it's just it's a big nope fest. Have you done Resident Evil in VR? I did the demo at, gosh, was it E3 a while ago? It was a VR demo. I played Resident Evil 7 non-VR, though. Um, oh, oh, that's a shame. Because if you liked, I mean, you got to wait, stop wasting your time with this paranormal activity stuff and do that <laughs> game in VR because that is like, oh, man. Oh, man. So, the, yeah, the first time I played it, I played it non-VR, and then I played it a second time, and I was imagining what it would look like in VR, and it was another big nope encounter for me as well. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's definitely on my bucket list. I'll put it at that. It's Yeah, I, I couldn't finish it. I was too scared of pants. But right. uh, I, I refused to go out of VR and play it, too, so I was a little stubborn and yet still scared. There's a fantastic horror VR experience. I think it's called The Visitor. I got mine on Steam, but... All it basically is, is you are someone in bed and this whole like scene plays out in front of you. It lasts maybe five to 10 minutes. That way you don't have to move. You don't have to do anything. You just have to look around. So if you want to see what VR and horror can be like and you haven't experienced it, I would uh, recommend trying the visitor. Yeah. Or just, you know, crap your pants and that and you'll have the experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wear, wear a diaper. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, Christian, while you have not finished Moss yet, uh, you have been playing, well, that sprint vector, right? Yeah, we've been I've been, you know, meaning to talk about it and talking around it for a few weeks now. Sprint Vector is out on PSVR and it it is a it, I'm trying to think it's it's a racing game and picture, you know, Mario Kart but meets um Jet Grind Radio in terms of like aesthetic and you're on these, you know, light blades or whatever and the way you propel yourself through the space is uh moving your arms, up pumping your arms up I and believe down. uh there's a little song that goes Swing your arms from side to side. Come on. It's time to yes. go. Do the, Do sprint the vector. Mario. Oh, well. uh. <laughs> I was all excited about singing the Mario and you just tore my hopes and dreams. <laughs> anyway, yes, you're swinging your arms to propel yourself forward. Go ahead. Yeah, and then you can you can do moves while you're in the air. You talked about it a little bit, I think, several weeks ago as well. And um, you played on Oculus, I believe, mm-hmm. initially when you talked about it. And I am playing on PSVR, and we we all played together on PSVR, P- PSVR as well. And I can safely say uh, I bow down to your greatness, and I will never talk crap about your VR esports prowess again. Um, I thought I was doing okay, and then you're like, well, you know, I haven't tried on PSVR. Let me try this. And then it was poetry in motion, Jeff. You were like <laughs> – I think I have a video of you somewhere that I, you know, I, I don't think I'm allowed to post publicly because you'd kill me, but it's <laughs> – your rhythm, it's, it really is cool runnings. It's feel the rhythm, you know, like. <laughs> I jumped on you your account up. and promptly got a first place finish. A yeah. couple, yeah. Yeah. And then you, you play, you played longer than anyone else that we were playing with. And then afterward, you took off the helmet and you're like, <sighs> <sighs> yeah, I got to take a break. And for real, you were tired. And when I play, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, we went off flying. And you're like, you got to aim, you got to pump. 
and uh, you're in a squat stance the whole time you're doing it. Yeah, it's man. a very fun game. I love the aesthetic. Um, I'm not very good at it. I, I think the courses, if I if they if they make a sequel, I wish that the courses were slightly more on rails so that there was still maneuverability for you to do things. But uh, apparently, if you're bad at the game like I am, you can get very lost. <laughs> I mean, it's a full course a big wide course with shortcuts and wrong ways um yeah. cliffs that lead to dead ends and in vr i i found that getting frustrating as i advanced further into the game and the courses got more intricate and my precision needed to be there um that that'd be my my main critique but otherwise i hope they do make another one because the style the atmosphere the vibe the mechanic the locomotion mechanic watching someone good at the game like you versus someone like me uh, you can see how it could be an eSport and you could have like real competition behind something like it. Uh, it's really, really cool. Or at least they could have a button that you just push and you get back onto the track. I mean, main track, yeah. right? Like I think like that would have cloud puts you back on the track, like in Mario Kart or something. Yeah. If it made me feel sad watching you get, get stuck, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, you can't help. You're like, turn around. There's, it's right behind you. And the, you know, you're in VR and you're disoriented and it's a little, frustrating but when it's working man what a spectacular experience and and something that i think even just as short as a year ago nobody would have guessed you could pull off in vr because people would be like well aren't, wouldn't i just throw up it's like no it actually works uh, you're, yeah you're the moving locomotion so fast really, really well yeah you're leaping through the air you're flying around it's great sprint vector really really great game um i put some time into the wizards which is a new uh wizard battle mage type game um I don't think it's quite as I don't love it quite as much as uh, Mage's Tale, which I I think is really the best wizarding game in VR at the moment. Um, but it is it's pretty darn cool. There's been, there's been a lot of wizarding games, and you know from Unspoken and there's just bunches of them, and all of them I think with the touch controls in VR invent really cool ways to have casting spells be a physical thing. You, you know, hmm. move your hands in the air, conjure a fireball and throw it. Uh, all the things that you would fantasize doing as a wizard, you know? Um, and this one, I think, has its own twist on that that I think makes it very, very satisfying. The moves, the, the hand gestures that you do in the air to select your spells are very cool and very satisfying. And I've never seen another VR game do it like this, where you're almost doing like anime Gundam, you know, Shogun Warriors moves with your arm. It's it, They're very staccato. Awesome. Yeah, like you make a fist in front of you and slide your arm from left to right, and you've got a fireball in your hand, right? Mm. Or you like do both hands with fists close to you and then push them both forward. And now you've got lightning bolts shooting out of your hands. So you're like doing these very like, like martial arts moves, you know, and you're, you know, you're, you're making a fist and punching forward and now you're doing a cool battle mage thing or, you know, you, but are you, but are you grunting Jeff? Oh, I'm grunting. I'm, I don't, I don't think it's a requirement. Yeah. It's not, you're not going to lose if you don't grunt, but kind of you are, you know, you lose inside. Uh, yeah. And like, you can conjure a, uh, you know, like an ice, uh, bow by taking both hands wide and then crossing them in front of you. It's, it's rad. You feel rad. And I think that it goes a long way in making the game feel rad. The game also looks really good. It's really beautiful. Um, and it's got a campaign, but the campaign is mostly, you know, going through a series of, uh, attack rooms where you're, you're beating a certain number of enemies. Still, I, I recommend it. It's called the wizard's. 
and I believe it's available on Steam VR and Oculus. I'm playing it on Oculus uh, with Touch. Very, very good game. You just described all my hopes and my dreams. I've always wanted to be a wizard, and that's not, I mean, which is oh, surprising because yeah. I've had VR for years now, but I've never played a game like that. And it sounds like there's quite a few out there. Oh, Britt, you gotta come over. I yeah. will. I will be your wizard Sherpa, taking you through all the wizard games. There, there are so many. There's, there's games that are literally like your Harry Potter in a room, and you're just creating chaos and whimsy and and <gasps> making everything on the walls dance around. Um, there are, uh, there are full on battle mage games like this one. A mage's tale is like you're a wizard's apprentice, and you have to learn and go through all these. It's very story based, and and uh, you you literally. Um, go to a cauldron and drop, you know, pour different ingredients in to create your spells and then stir it with a big stirring stick. Uh, it's, there's so much wish fulfillment going on in VR. I have the biggest grin on my face right now. I know you can't see it. Okay, uh, so you'll love if it. you could recommend one to start with, which one would it be? Um, I mean, The Mage's Tale is is exclusive to Oculus, but it is my favorite of them. Uh, there is a game called Waltz of the Wizard that is more closer to a tech demo than a full game. I believe it's free on Steam. Um, and I, I'm not sure if it's available on PlayStation VR, but Waltz of the Wizard is like the Harry Potter one, and okay. uh, it is just pure joy and looks great. Um, so I would, I think it's free, and I think it's easy to recommend if you have access to a, to Sweet. a headset that works in Steam. All right, um, that's going to do it for this episode. We uh, do have a parting gift coming up, so be sure to stick around for that. But Britt Brombacher, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad it finally happened. Thank you. It was so much fun. You guys are awesome. Uh, you're awesome. Tell awesome. people where they can find more of your awesome work on the internet. All right. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash blonde nerd. Um, I mostly do what's good game stuff now. So you can check out our podcast at all of the podcasts, people, uh, podcast platforms out there, including Spotify, what's good games on Twitter, twitter.com slash what's good underscore games because someone has the what's good games handle and they won't hand it over. YouTube.com slash what's good games. Find us. Say hi. Yeah. Great content you guys are making. Uh, I believe. Now, officially, with you having your first appearance on our show, we have we have completed the circle of all of the members of What's Good having appeared on DLC uh, at least once. So I'm Hell very happy about that. The circle of life. I mean, not really. <laughs> it's a little dramatic. Yeah, we're big we're big fans of you guys, and and uh, happy to see you doing so well. Thank you. Absolutely, Christian. How about you? What do you got going on this week? Um, this week's ALTMM is about Xbox, Inside Xbox, the new show, and kind of direct-to-consumer approach that everybody is taking and the different strategies for it. If you want it, it comes out uh, on Tuesday uh, on the Patreon feed, which is just Christian Spicer, and then goes free to everybody Friday on the Uninformed Opinions podcast feed, so you can find that there. And then Department of Parenting, uh, Chris Quintos, uh, we talked about um, this week's show. Oh, come on. Oh, How to Get Work done when you're home with the baby and the <laughs> article had actual good tips but our shorthand was just like you won't um <laughs> <laughs> you won't and you can't um but that you can find a video the video of the episode will be at facebook which is facebook.com slash department of parenting and the episode will hit rss wednesday morning at 5 a.m pacific uh yeah i, know you how I would out. answer that question christian how do you get work done with a small baby at home 
you have a very generous spouse. <laughs> right. Oh. This is when you're home alone with the baby. I oh, think the... never be home alone with the baby. <laughs> you can avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a trap. You and the, you and the baby. Uh, and then I'm on Twitch. Uh, Christian Spicer. Come say hi. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm on Twitter as well, at Jeff Kanata, with two N's and one T. And I have some other shows for you to check out, including uh, the Slash Filmcast, where we talk about movies and TV shows. We will be talking about A Wrinkle in Time this week, so stay tuned for that over at SlashFilmcast.com. And I do the We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show with Anthony Carboni. Check that out. If you've never given it a shot, I urge you to check it out. I bet you'll laugh at least once and learn something, <laughs> at least one thing. Uh, it's at wehaveconcerns.com. In fact, if you're going to PAX East, We Have Concerns will be live on Friday at 11 a.m. in the Bobcat Theater at PAX East. So I would love for you to check out the show there. We always have a good time live in front of the audience. Uh, so check that out. Also, that means I'll be at PAX East. Uh, <laughs> I'm also, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, I think I can. I probably should. Wait, I probably shouldn't. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm. Imagine the the panel I would most want to host. I'm doing that. So uh, I think I think that's a pretty uh, pretty easy one to figure out. But I, I think yeah, I'm very very excited about it. Well, it's um, one of my heroes. I hope you have a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. I, I see what you did there. Um, and that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. So let's <laughs> let's get to our parting <laughs> gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Britt, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, I am a big fan. I don't know if you guys have done this, but they're escape rooms in a box. Mmm, I love them. Have you? Okay, yeah, they're fantastic. I don't know if you've talked about them on the show, but I recently I love escape rooms that you get to go to and actually physically move the things, but there are some great ones out there. Check them out on Amazon. Escape the Room is a really great brand. Christian, I've been meaning to do this with you. I have several unplayed, um, just sitting right next to me right now, in fact, um, that I, w- I keep meaning to do with you and or your your family. I would love to do that. Yeah, uh, I am down. We can make it happen. We're going to do that. Uh, what is your parting gift? There's a little show um, that is one of the best shows ever made, and it's only a couple episodes into its second season, and that show is called Atlanta. And it is so... So incredible. Donald Glover, there's an excellent profile uh, with him in The New Yorker, I believe. And even if you, you don't subscribe to The New Yorker, I think you get like three free articles a month. Read the Donald Glover um, profile and interview. The man is a genius. Um, he has seen past and through our world and understands all aspects of it. And the show he is making on FX with Atlanta is unrivaled. This season so far, it's so dark and tragic and then so funny at, at times the way it blends everything together and telling this this story in these people's lives and and the city atlanta being a character itself and how it's portrayed absolutely phenomenal if you've missed out on atlanta watch season one and then season two i think is two or three episodes i've watched the first two i'm not sure if there are more than that but man it's so 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 very good it's on fx right yes 
We got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's where you send uh, any questions or comments you might have about the show or parting gifts like we got from Brady Swenson. Brady writes, I'd like to share a parting gift to the listeners. I highly encourage everyone to check out Scott Johnson's There Will Be Dungeons podcast. Scott Johnson, friend of the show. Love Scott. Good dude. Uh, It's a Mm -hmm. podcast where five members play D&D, and it is a fantastical adventure. Their characters are very funny and entertaining, and it gets me through the long work days, much like your podcast does. It also has Kyle Ferguson, and you may know him, Jeff. Yes, I do. Kyle is my Heroes of the Storm coach. Uh, every uh, Wednesday, we do a live stream on Caffeine, caffeine.tv slash Jeff Canada, uh, where he coaches me up in Heroes of the Storm. Uh, he plays Varel the Lizard Man. Thanks for the show you guys do. I love it. I listen every week. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Brady. Sounds good. I haven't checked out There Will Be Dungeons yet, but um, big fan of the Frog Pants Studios and all the Scott Johnson shows and, and friends of shows. Um, so, yeah, very good recommendation. There Will Be Dungeons. My podcast, or excuse me, my parting gift is also a podcast. Uh, and it's a little self-serving, but bear with me. Uh, this is genuinely a podcast I love because I love talking about board games. Uh, this is a very smart <laughs> very smart board game uh, podcast. It's called Ludology, and it is uh, hosted by friend of the show, uh, Jeff Engelstein, and um, I was recently a guest on it. In fact, the newest episode that just came out yesterday, or excuse me, over the weekend, as you're listening to this, uh, I am the featured guest, uh, Ludology's 171. I was so, so honored that they invited me on, but you should listen to that show anyway. It is uh, game designers talking about game design in a very smart, interesting way. Uh, Jeff Engelstein has designed some of my favorite games and is also one of my favorite people talking about board games. He's so uh, intelligent and so introspective about the process. It's a fascinating show, and uh, I hope you guys check it out. It's Ludology. All right, that's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Britt Brombacher and Christian Spicer for being here with me. Thanks to all the folks that hung out in the chat room with us as well. We appreciate you making the show better in real time. Also, thanks to all of you who download the show. It really makes us feel good that you uh, take the time to listen. Uh, If you could also take the time to give us that five-star review, it really does help people discover the show. Uh, We will be... Oh, I do need to thank... Our musical contributors, uh, Sean Madigan, Zero Star, and Patrick L., who just did a remix of the uh, of the opening that you can find in our subreddit. We talked about that at the beginning. Give it a shot. Give it a listen. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.